Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sorry about the delay. Welcome to another episode of the Stoop Monday evening. Jeff the Shark Perini here introducing us. Jonathan Ragus is going to be along any moment. A little technical difficulty tonight, but we're here for another big Monday show. And uh, we've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to have uh, from House of Pain, Danny Boy O'Connor. He's going to be joining us tonight. Not only talk about uh, House of Pain, he's going to talk about his new project, The Outsider's House, from the movie The Outsider's. Uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, as they're attempting to restore it and save it and preserve it. Uh, That's uh, some of the things that Danny's going to be talking about with us tonight here on the show. Also, uh, a little recap of uh, some playoffs, NHL and uh, NBA playoffs, um, and stuff from the world around us, current events and all that good stuff. Once again, Jeff, for any little technical difficulty, we do apologize, and we'll be getting to you with the... uh, Full show, any moment. And I think John is on his way in, perhaps. Okay. All right, so we're going to go anyway. It is a big Monday. Welcome again here to the Stoop Block Talk Radio, one of the big shows. We've had some good shows in the past. We thank everybody that joined us here. Uh, We're doing music. We're doing a lot of music. Uh, We're going to announce... uh, more big guests are coming up in the near future tonight, and um, one of those, of course, coming up in a couple weeks, and this is for my Philly people out there, uh, from the band Candlebox, their new guitarist, uh, Brian Quinn. Brian will be with us on May 16th. A lot of Philly people might know him from his days at Octane and Foster Child, and he's uh, now touring with Candlebox, legendary band. Uh, so... If you know them, you know him, tune in. Give Brian a listen. We're also working with some other talents uh, from the music world. And uh, as always, I get some actors, actresses, all that good stuff right here for you on the stoop. So um, let's take a moment. We're waiting for John to get in here. And uh, like I said, we'll be with Danny Boy a little bit later. Tonight's show is going to have some good stuff. Uh, We're going to do a top five list of the top five party songs. That's right. Party songs, stuff to get you up, stuff to get you dancing and moving. That's going to be our top five list. Um... Going to take a brief moment right now. I wait for John. I'm going to uh, go on about the NFL draft, which was uh, this past week. Um, and for uh, some fans of football, some big ones. And if you're an Eagles fan, you know a really huge uh, number two pick overall. They took quarterback Carson Wentz. Uh, something I'm very excited about. I got a new Philly uh, quarterback starting things new off here. Sounds very exciting. Uh, of course, everybody got on Dallas. Uh, they took Ezekiel Elliott. Elliot showed up in kind of a uh, tuxedo with a half shirt. I don't really know what that half shirt thing was all about. But, uh, hey, God bless him, whatever he likes. And uh, he's got an opportunity to be good real there uh, in Dallas. So, uh, good draft this year. A lot of talent, a lot of names, a lot of controversy, as always. Um, and that's what 
the NFL draft is all about. It's always a little something, always about a, you know, but it's, it's young guys, man. They're guys in their early 20s. They're just out of college. They're college kids, man. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do things. Uh, they're going to party. They're going to have some fun. And uh, I know that you got to curb that for the NFL. Hopefully, you know, these guys get it back in order to realize what kind of opportunity lies ahead of them. Um, also, some, some more playoffs. Again, there's no NHL and uh, NBA playoffs. Uh, John got the best of me yesterday. The Toronto Raptors moved on. Uh, took game seven to my Indiana Pacers. Did not succeed as I'd hoped. Same thing with my Charlotte Hornets. Hornets took the Miami Heat till seven, and uh, Miami hung on there. So I'm trailing. I'm trailing John by a good deal. And uh, he knows it. He's a basketball guy. He knows his basketball stuff. I had no chance there whatsoever. Um, but we get a roll. That's what we do here. We, we have some fun. We prognosticate, if you will. And uh, I'll get him. Another round's coming up, and I uh, still got him in hockey. We're neck and neck. So uh, he gets here, he will know. Uh, again, going to talk about uh, lots of stuff here tonight. We're going to talk some sports. We're going to talk uh, some music. We're going to talk some movies. We're going to talk to Danny Boy O'Connor coming up at 8 o'clock. Should be great having him on. And uh, very curious to hear about this project, the uh, the Outsider South, as I said. And uh, just Danny and what he's been doing. And, uh, of course, South of Pain. And everybody knows Jump Around, one of the, one of the top songs uh, to get you up out of your seats, digging a witch. And uh, so that's going to be big. We're going to have that here for you tonight. Um, I want to thank some of our uh, previous guests that we have had here in the last few weeks. A couple of them are making big strides. And, uh, we talked to uh, – oh, I think we got John. Yo, it is me. I am here. All right, you got me? Yeah, I got you. Fun times here at the Stoop as our uh, main server just went kablooey. <laughs> Fun times, fun times, fun times. We're sorry about that. Unfortunately, sometimes we have these little technical difficulties here. Uh, thanks to Jeff for holding down the fort for the last couple of minutes of the show. I think we lost uh, a lot of uh, listeners, but uh... <laughs> no, we're we're still we're still getting them in. They did listen. It, it, it happens, you know, with internet-based radio shows. Uh, you know, things just happen, and unfortunately, it always happens to us lately. I I don't understand it. I don't get it. We're the working man. We work so hard, and we're out there grinding during the day, and we grind during the night here, and uh, on the time of the day. <laughs> oh, man, it can only uh, get better from here, right? So, uh, well, real quick, I don't I don't know what, uh, Jeff, what, what have you spoke about in the last seven minutes? I mentioned uh, our upcoming guest, Brian Quinn uh, from Candlebox. Uh, a couple of Philly people, as I said, might know him from his days at Octane, and uh Foster Child, he's now with Candlebox. He's going to be uh, joining us in two weeks to talk about their new album. Mentioned how we have uh, Danny Boy O'Connor here tonight. He's going to be talking a little about the Outsider's House and some House of Pain. Um, Let's see, we've got the top five list, top five party songs. You can tell we're partying here. Uh, <laughs> can't get it quite straight, so we're a little too much party. But uh, that's where we're at. Absolutely. Feel free to jump in. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. Well, uh, first off, as Jeff said, Danny Boy O'Connor from the iconic hip-hop group house of pain will be here tonight we're not going to really talk about music we're going to talk about his his plans and his vision to restore the curtis brothers home in tulsa oklahoma which is a part of the outsiders movie it's the house where uh c thomas Howe, rob lowe and the late great patrick swayze lived in um we're going to talk to him about that we're going to talk to him about the gofundme campaign and how you can contribute if you're a big fan of not only the movie 
but the amazing S.E. Hinton book, which uh, we all I, – I, honestly, I've never met a person who hasn't read it and who hasn't loved it, so it's going to be uh, cool to talk to Danny Boy about that in just a little bit. Um want to thank Sagan Amory from uh, Caveat for joining us last week. That was a fun show. She's a really cool uh, person, and we hope to have her here in the future. Um, so as we said, top five list. We'll get right into it since we'll be joined uh, by Danny Boy in the uh, next 20 minutes or so. And it's our top five favorite party songs because you know why Danny Boy, House of Pain, Jump Around, when that plays, gets the party going. So in honor of Danny Boy's amazing iconic hip-hop group, uh, House of Pain. We're going to do our top five favorite party songs. So, Jeff, hit it off, my friend. All right. I've got the uh, got a couple famous ties. We've got a big list here tonight. This was a <laughs> tough list. It's something we kind of threw together, and I said, wow, it, it's harder than you think. Yes. So, number five, and not just because he's on the show, but number five because it's classic. House of Pain's uh, jump around every time you hear it. You, you do it. You do the hop. You got your hand in the air. You're hopping up and down. You're jumping around. Everybody knows it. Um, it's such a great number, number five. Time with number five is uh, The Kingsman with Louie Louie. Uh, a lot of people may not know all the lyrics. It's kind of a muffled song, but it's fun, man, to hear that. And the big yells come out, and everybody gets on the floor. And uh, Louie Louie is tied. Great song, man. Great song. Love that song. Number four. If you're at a party with the pretty girls and you want to get the pretty girls up and dancing, Van Morrison's Brown-Eyed Girl. Uh, it screeches, man. All the girls just, ah! and they just charge at the dance floor with Brown-Eyed Girl. It's, it's a classic. It's a great number. It's uh, smooth and, and soft, little guitar, and I don't think he really had that in mind when he made it, but it's become a huge party hit. Absolutely. Uh, number three for me, one of my favorites, and I dance, which is scary. Montel Jordan, this is how we do it. Just <laughs> That opening note, as soon as you hear it, and as soon as you hear Mon- Montel just say that that lyric, this is how we do it. Everybody's doing it, man. You're ready, and you're up, and you're jumping. Absolutely. Uh, a tie for second place. Whoa. Two super Yeah, tie for second place. Two songs very similar, but iconic in partying. Cool in the gangs. Celebration. The word's in it right there. There's a party going on. Let's celebrate. And everybody dances, man. And I've seen him live in concert and open for Van Halen. That song gets you up no matter what you're doing. You're getting up for it. And a tie for number two, one that me and my friends always get down to, and it's a little corny, but it's always fun, Lionel Richie's All Night Long. Everybody Great does song. it, man. Everybody sings it. Oh, everybody sings it all night. They do the echo all night. Everybody does it, man. It's great. And they try to do the that little lyric that nobody understands what Lionel's saying, but... <laughs> That's it, number before, two. Number one. Be, wait, wait. Number before one, you do number yeah. one, if you do what I think you're going to do, I'm going to slap you. So go ahead and announce it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to do it. No no graphics. No jumping around. Number one is the Isley Brothers and Shout. Um, oh, thank God. Uh, you know, a little bit louder now, a little bit softer now. People go down to the floor. People jump up to the sky. Everybody Absolutely. sings Shout. Everybody jumps when they hear Shout. Greatest party song to me. It wasn't even close. I know I had ties at two. And tie is five, but the distance between number one and number two, Miles. Shout just blows it away, man, for me. Nice. Love the list. Love the list, man. Well, I got two ties as well, man, because this was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. We spoke about that just a little bit earlier, but I'm going to jump into mine. Have a tie at number five. First, Dancing With Myself by the great Billy Idol. This is one of those songs that when it hits, everybody just hits the dance floor. Uh, Number five as well is a tie, Footloose, Kenny Loggins, man. This is a song where... When it hits, man, I pretend I'm Kevin Bacon, man. I pretend the glitter's falling from the ceiling, man. 
And I say, everybody, let's dance! But, you know, I'm not Kevin Bacon. I don't dance like him, so uh, (laughs) it is what it is. Number four, got to go to a little hip-hop, the Humpty Dance, man, Digital Underground. When that hits, man, I love the Humpty Dance. I love Digital Underground. I've always been big fans of them. Number three, um, not only just in honor of our guest tonight, but I'm such a huge House of Pain fan, Um, you know, from their self-titled 92 album, House of Pain, the same as it ever was. The truth crushed. The earth shall rise again. Just a huge House of Pain fan. Jump around, man. When that song hits, man, I don't think there's nobody in the world that knows Jump Around by House of Pain, man. It really took on a life of its own over the years, and it's still going strong today. Absolutely amazing song. Number two, Apache, Sugar Hill Gang. Wow. Hits, man. Boom. Everybody's dancing, including the old people, man. And they know it. They know the dance, man, which is absolutely hilarious, man. Um, you know, something that was pretty much brought to to fame by Will Smith and Alfonso Ribeiro in an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and that's when it started coming out again and really taking on a life of its own. Um, I do it all the time. I do that dance yeah. all the time. Oh, man, we, listen, <laughs> we did it at my wedding, man. We did it at my wedding. Everybody was dancing, man. We have it on video. It's absolutely phenomenal. Maybe I take a snippet of that and we'll put it up on our new webpage when we, when we launch it. Um Tie at number one, man. This was wow. this was rough. This was really, really rough. Um, first, 1999 by Prince. I know it's not 1999 anymore, but when that song came out, up into 2000, man, when we broke into Y2K, the song was hot. And I hate to say it, but the, well, I don't hate to say it, but the song is still hot now. It's just an absolutely phenomenal song by the late, great Prince. And number one, tied with him, also a late, great artist, lost him this year. Let's Dance by David Bowie. Um, just another song that gets people pumped, man. Okay. It gets people jumping and dancing, and it's it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal song. Uh, so that's where I'm going to go on my list. So let's uh, recap real quick. Jeff's top five, tied at number five, Louie Louie by The Kingsman, Jump Around by House of Pain. Number four, Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. Three, This Is How We Do It, Montel Jordan. Another tie at two, Celebration by Cool and the Gang, and All Night Long by Lionel Richie. Number one, Shout by the Awesome Isley Brothers. Mine, tie at number five, Dancing With Myself, Billy Idol, Footloose, Kenny Loggins. Four, The Humpty Dance, Digital Underground. Three, Jump Around, House of Pain. Two, Apache, Sugar Hill Gang. And a tie at the top spot, 1999 by the late, great Prince. And Let's Dance by the late, great David Bowie. It was a lot harder, man, than I thought it would be. i tell you what, when I looked at my top 10, top 15, your songs, your list was my list. Um, you, every song that you had was probably 6 through 10 for me or 7 through 11, whatever, with the ties. Uh, There's some Beyonce stuff, uh, you know, um, uh, Crazy in Love and uh, Put a Ring on It. And uh, there's a song to get people moving. It's, it was tough when when we talked about what to yeah. do. Listen, man, I know it gets people moving, but is that your favorite party song? That's the thing, man. Um, actually, I hate to say it, but um, Crazy Love gets me dancing a little bit, man. I know it oh. sounds weird, but I, I can't do the Beyonce butt bump, but, uh, you know. I, I hope not. <laughs> not like her. Nobody can like her. Maybe uh, Shakira, that's about it. Oh, nobody can do it like Shakira, man. Those hips don't lie, dude. Amen to that. All right, man. Let's uh, let's get into a few points of discussion before we're joined by our guest, Danny Boy O'Connor. Um, news comes out today that Scott Stapp, former frontman of Creed, is hinting that he will be the newest lead singer of Stone 
Temple Pilots. When asked, he said he cannot either confirm or deny the rumor. Um, I'll throw this out at you first. Um, I've always been a fan of Creed. Love Mark Tremonti. Love Scott Stapp's voice. Um, when the first album hit, My Own Prison, absolutely phenomenal. The, the second album, good. Third album, good. And it took a tailwind from there. Um, I like Scott Stapp. Love that he went to couples therapy with his wife. Love that he cleaned up. He's sober. He's doing good. He just came off of a solo tour. Um, if this is what's going on, I think this is great news for Scott Stapp if this happens. And I'm happy for the guy. What do you think about this news? Do you think Scott Stapp is good for Stone Temple Pilots? And do you think this is actually going to happen, Jeff? I uh, I like Scott Stapp. I know he is gotten a bad rap for his behaviors and uh, his past history. I've always liked the guy. I like his voice, and I was a Creed guy. Like I said, Mark Tremonti is dynamite, and that's a great band. Um, the thing that worries me about Stone Temple Pilots, and maybe it's just me, the, the Scott Weiland thing on again, off again, these guys are very quick to turn their back and push it to the side, and I don't know if Scott Stapp is ready for that. Like If, if he's going to commit to this band and vice versa, it's got to be something, a project they got to commit to, get a couple albums in line and really go for it. I think it's good. It's definitely a different sound than Wyland, but um, definitely something to look forward to. I mean, when you look at singers, singers are a tough breed. A name I always throw around is Mike Patton, but Mike Patton from Faith No More gets mixed into everything. So um, this this seems to be a good move. It's it's a guy who is used to the fame, or the band that's used to the fame, and uh, I think it works. I would, I'm really hoping to see it. I would go to a show absolutely and give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully this is a rumor that turns out to be true. I think this is very good for Scott Stapp. Uh, I think it's good for his health. I think it's good for his uh, his, his mental well-being, good for his family. Um, you know, listen, Scott Weiland had a lot of trouble. Um, so did Scott Stapp. Uh, Scott Weiland, unfortunately, overdosed, passed away not that long ago, um, just a few months ago, really. And, uh, you know, Scott Stapp looks to be clean, looks to be doing really good for himself found his faith again, uh, you, you know, so that's good news. I, I don't know if STP really turns their back on people. Um, you know, if you look at it, yeah, Scott Stapp, he was very unreal. Uh, not Scott Stapp, Scott Weiland was very unreliable. So, of course, they kept pushing him out. Uh, you know, 2013, Chester Bennington, Lincoln Park, uh, became the lead singer for uh, Stone Temple Pilots. He left just at the end of last year on good terms because of all the stuff he's doing with his original group, Lincoln Park. Um you know, Stone Temple Pilots, they know, they know how to handle somebody with problems. And if Scott Stapp doesn't have the problems anymore, this could be something that could that could really stick around for a while, Jeff. I'd like to think so. I mean, I, I you know, in our earlier today, I was talking about loyalty in music when we brought up the subject. And uh, so the whole Brian Johnson thing still twists me a little bit that the way ACDC kind of ousted him. But, um like I, I like some of these mixtures, like uh, Chris Cornell getting together with the guys from Rage and, and doing uh, that stuff. And um, like I said, if Scott Stapp comes on here, I'm always into something new. I don't turn my back and say, well, it's not a band because so-and-so is not there. You get the main nucleus, you're playing the music. I, I'm good with it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about ACDC real quick and Brian Johnson. Uh, just read something on Twitter a little bit ago uh, that D. Snyder, he did some kind of a cover of Highway to Hell, really killed it, man. It sounded great. And uh, he said the only reason why he did that cover was because he was too tall, supposedly, to audition for ACDC. <laughs> now, that, that's, that's interesting. I, I had not heard yeah. that. And, uh, 
don't yeah. know if I understand what that even means, to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 amazing, man. It's amazing. Um, so Brian Johnson was replaced by Axel Rose of all people uh, in ACDC. Brian uh, Johnson just came out with a statement a little while ago saying, you know, him and the band are on good terms. Um, you know, really, he can go into the studio and record. He just can't really tour, and he can't do the live stuff because of his uh, of his hearing and the potential hearing loss. To, you know, due to you know due to the loud sound from the amps and from the you know the, the you know the acoustics in the arena. Um, so, you know, my question to you is, Jeff, um, we heard that he was forced out of the band against his will. Um, is is there any loyalty left in music? Because we've heard, you know, over the last couple, of, you know, to a few years. A lot of band members get pushed out of bands unwillingly. Now, is that because they have problems? You know, did ACDC do Brian Johnson a favor because they're worried about his health? Is this just they're bringing in Axl Rose for the tour and Brian Johnson's still going to record with them in studio? What do you think about the whole loyalty in music? The um, loyalty in music is obviously it's fading because music is becoming more and more of a business than a creative art. Uh, we talk about sports a lot, and uh, one day you're the guy there, and next day your contract disputed, and you're you're sent packing. Um, the, the names of the bands, man, like ACDC and Brian Johnson. Here's a guy that's a legend, and now they move on. It's just see you later. And I mentioned to you earlier today, uh, Black Sabbath. Uh, Bill <clears throat> Ward had a, had a financial dispute, and Black Sabbath says, "Well, we're going on tour, and uh, we'll see you later. Thanks for nothing." So nowadays, everything in this world has become a business. Everything is a dollar. Everything is money, um, and most bands do it. Uh, David Lee Roth and Van Halen. I'm a huge Van Halen guy, but they had their dispute. They brought in Sammy Hagar, went touring. Uh, had a fallout with, with um, Sammy, brought in Gary Sharoon, went out touring. Whether it works or not. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, whether it works or not, these guys just want to go on stage and make money. So is there loyalty? I think loyalty is very limited. I think it's a tough word in this world today in general. And definitely music. Music is taking a sports approach, and you're only as good as your last five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with the whole ACDC Brian Johnson thing, and I really am uh, curious to see what happens with, uh, you know, Dee Steiner's comments today about him being too tall to audition for ACDC. I think that's absolutely phenomenal, <laughs> and I think it's absolutely hilarious. I love Dee Snyder, big Twisted Sister fan, so uh, it'll be uh, – Real cool to see what happens with that, man. It, it, it would have been funny seeing Dee Snyder fronting ACDC with small little Angus Young and a little bit of, you know, smaller people. I, w- I was reading, actually, you know, going back to the Black Sabbath comment you made, I was reading a, 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 a issue of Rolling Stone today with a, uh, you know, article on, on Ozzy talking uh, about the, you know, the final tour for Black Sabbath, and then they got into the whole Bill Ward thing. And, uh, you know, when they asked him, you know, supposedly Bill Ward and his manager reached out to him and said, hey, you know what, we'll come back for your final leg of the tour. And they said, nah, forget it. So, uh, you know, I guess there's really a lot of sour grapes in there with Black Sabbath between uh, Ozzy, Tony Iommi, um, the bassist, and uh, Bill Ward. So, always fun, man. Mr. Geezer Butler. uh, Geezer Butler, there you go. There you go, Geezer Butler, man. I can't, I, I can't believe I forgot Geezer Butler, man. Jesus. I know, man. It's like, it's like one of the best names in rock. <laughs> uh, it's one of those days, man. It's one of those days. Um, all right, man. We'll get into a little uh, NFL draft and news after we're joined uh, by Danny Boy uh, in a little bit. So real quick, man, you know, we're, we're going to talk a lot about the Outsiders and, you know, what a phenomenal movie that was. So let's get into another phenomenal classic movie, and that's The Warriors. If you don't know what The Warriors is, 
look it up because it's a phenomenal, phenomenal classic movie. And one of the actors, James Remar, uh, supposedly brought up a possible Warriors remake, uh, says it's possible, but only if it's handled with the utmost respect for the film's original feel. Um, we talk a lot about remakes here, Jeff. Um, we're really not big fans of them. When you look at the Warriors, and I'm sure you've seen it, um, is this a movie that you think could be remade in 2016? I go with no. I stick to the um, stick to the no love for remakes because there's not a lot of love put into these remakes. You look at the cast, and I mean they're all aged now, but it'd be neat to see some of the original members in it. But it, it was so unique for its time, and that and the Outsiders is about like gangs and, and street gangs, and some of the guys were so great, and some of the scenes were just so awesome. It, it's something you hate to try and do again, hate to try and have somebody capture the magic that once was. It, you know, it's like having a comedian come out and, and try to talk like uh, Bobcat or like, or like Sam Kinison. It, it's done once. The magic is there once. Stop redoing things and try to make everything yeah. the way they were. It, it, it's yeah. not worth it. Well, you know, listen, it, it it really interests me that, listen, if they go out and remake the Warriors, is it going to be set in the 70s? Is it going to be old school New York gangs? Are they going to turn around and it's going to be based in a 2017 type thing? And, you know, it's going to be gangs of New York today. Um, it, it, listen, the original was great. Michael Beck as Swan, James Remar as Ajax, uh, the awesome David Patrick Kelly as the villain in it, Luther. Uh, David Harris's co-cheese, uh, man, Deborah Van Valkenburg. You know, it, listen, it was a great cast. A lot of them at the time being were unknowns. Some of them are very big. James Remar and David Patrick Kelly, I would say, are probably the two biggest guys out of that movie. I listen, man. I it, it's I don't like remakes. I really don't. When a movie is good and it's already has a such a big cult following and it's a legendary movie in its own right. You can't touch perfection, even with all of the mistakes in the movie. And you, and, you, and you can look at the movie and say, oh, yeah, look, they messed up with this. Oh, they messed up with that. In its own right, it's still a legendary, iconic movie. And The Warriors is one of those movies. I said that about, uh, you, you know, Big Trouble in Little China. I Listen, The Rock is Jack Burton. No, it doesn't fly. Nobody can be Jack Burton like Kurt Russell. Um, it, it, I don't know, man. It's remakes got to die, dude. It's got to die, man. Yeah. I'm I'm so sick of and and you know now we're hearing about the remake of Mary Poppins, which is also like come on, man. Emily Blunt is Mary Poppins, and supposedly the dude um, from that play Hamilton is gonna play Dick Van Dyke's character. It's terrible, man. I mean, it's just neat new stuff. Listen, and and that's the thing. There's so much new stuff out there, man. There's these phenomenal, phenomenal scripts going around and all these independent movies and all these B-movies. And I just don't understand why these directors, these movie houses, they don't jump on these scripts that are sitting there and being done on low budgets. And they're so good. You know, I I don't understand why they got to constantly take a concept that has already been made has already been written, has already been done years ago. You know, you're talking about movies 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago that they're remaking. They just can't come up with new stuff, man. I, I can't tell you how many times they're going to probably remake Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 
I'm just done with the remakes, dude. You know, I'm done with the remakes. And what really bothers me is that there are so many books out there that could be such great basis for movies, and they won't even look at that, man. Yeah, it's going, um, it's just lacks creativity. Now, uh, lack of creativity is going to, hey, what worked back then? Let's get what worked back then, or what was big back then that people were still paying attention to that we can remake and sneak in? Uh, you know, even superhero movies and, and stuff like that, it just all keeps coming around. Uh, how many more Superman are we going to have? How many more um, Spider-Mans, uh, Batmans? It just keeps going on and on and yep. on. Um, mm. That's why, like, I, I finally got to see Deadpool, and for me, it's a good idea. Here's here's a new one, and the movie was hilarious. If you've seen it, it was it was great. It was graphic. It was violent. It was funny. It had sex. It was it was and great. Which movie and was that? Deadpool. Oh, Deadpool. Oh, yeah, because you know what, it hasn't been done before. Exactly. You know, and there's so many amazing characters. In the Marvel Universe, and even in the DC, and you know me, I'm not a big DC guy. If you, if you want to go back years and years and years, and you want to talk about Doctor Fate, Johnny Lightning, you know Johnny Lightning, Wildcat, Sandman, you know the original Green Lantern and Flash, I'll talk about those guys. Love those characters, but man, they killed the whole Batman Superman thing. I'm so sick of Superman and Batman because that's all they <laughs> go with, man. And to me, there's still nobody better than the Adam West '60s Batman. Nothing better. Wow. Nothing better, man. Still still, still phenomenal after all these years, man. Cesar Romero, Burgess Meredith, man, Julie Newmar. I, listen, man, Frank Gorshin, there's nothing better than that series, man. To me, that is the best Batman, and this is coming from a guy who I like the Michael Keaton Batman. I thought it was good, but once they got into the whole darkness side, that killed it for me, man. And they're still going with it, and it's getting darker and darker. I, I like the Bale stuff because it's a little different. Um, the, the 60s Batman was great. And for me, uh, for Superman, it was Christopher Reeve, man. And the, the Superman and Superman 2 were, were it, man. Stop it right there. And they even came up with a great sequel, which is abnormal. The first Superman, incredible. Superman 2 with uh, General Zod, amazing. Stop it there. Mm. They ruined it with 3. They ruined it with 4. And, and so they just don't know when to stop. And so many people will still put their rears in the seats, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Listen, man, I'll tell you right now, man. I, you know, I I love Christopher Reeve as Superman, um, but then I go back to the old, um, you know, forties Superman. You know, I I loved that. You know, I loved I loved that cartoon, man. The old Max Fleischman, uh, Fleischer Studios cartoons. Love yeah. those cartoons, man. Still think it was great. And I gotta say, man. Um, you know, Dean Kane playing Superman. I actually liked that series, Lois and Clark. I thought it was a really cool series, man. I, I, you know, they did it in a nice, light way. So, you know, hopefully they stop with the remakes and uh, we get some new original stuff. But uh, I'm going to introduce our guest right now. Joining us, uh, Danny O'Connor, um, known as Danny Boy from House of Pain. Hey, what's going on, Danny? What's up, my man? How you doing? How's it going tonight, brother? I'm good. I'm good. Um, first of all, thanks for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. I know you're super busy. Um, we're, we're, we're not going to talk to you tonight about music, although I, I'm a huge House of Pain, Coconosha fan. <laughs> talk about that for hours with you, man, but we won't do that tonight. A little different, man. Um, first of all, tell us a little bit about what you do with Delta Bravo Urban Exploration Team. Okay, so the only music we, we should talk about is that after House of Pain, 
I didn't do any road work, music work, any of that stuff for about 10 years. I had a really bad drug addiction after House of Pain. Mm. And then I got sober. And then we put La Coca Nostra together. Yes. And then we were on tour with La Coca Nostra, which is a side group that I do with Everlast Lethal. Basically, it's House of Pain, nonfiction, and, and, and our guy Slane. Yeah. And we were in Oklahoma playing Kane's Ballroom. And we had a three-day layover, which means the tour bus was going to sit there three days before it moved again to the next city. Mm. Um, and I thought, what what is there to do in, in Oklahoma? I was highly caffeinated, uh, a few years sobriety, and I just bought a new camera. And it occurred to me that my favorite movie of all times was filmed in Oklahoma, which was The Outsiders. And so mm. that day I hired a cab to take me around, and I did a little research, and I was able to find the park where they filmed the where Johnny kills the Soch. I was able mm-hmm. to find the house, the outsider's house where the, the, the Curtis brothers live. And I was able to see the drive-in where they snuck in and, you know, got into trouble. And uh, yeah. it kind of changed my life, you know, and then we Kane's ballroom that night, which is a famous, it's like the CB, I like to call it the CBGBs of like, you know, the Midwest or the, mm-hmm. you know, of middle America. It, 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 anybody who's anybody has played Kane's, Kane's ballroom. It's a historic joint for, for music. Mm-hmm. And uh, in there, the owner said, hey, man, I know you're friends with Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. Come in my office. I want to show you something. And he showed me a, a hole punched in the wall that they put a frame around. I said, yeah, what's that? He said, that's where Sid Vicious punched the hole in the wall when the Sex Pistols played here in 78. <laughs> and so I posted, I posted both of those things to my Facebook. And the reaction was like bonk show. Like people were like, wow, I cannot believe it. Like, where are you? That's the real house. Are you on Universal Studios lot or what's going on? And how did you see that Sex Pistols? Like, where is that? And so I started to think, well, you know, every town I go to, why don't I start looking for these kind of historical things and see if I could, you know, match up the photos and visit them myself. And, and I started doing that and posting it. And then I started attracting followers and friends of mine were like, this is so cool. Why don't we do this when you come back to LA or when you come to New York, I know where this was filmed or this mm-hmm. true crime happened or where LL Cool J shot his second record by his school in Queens. I could take you here. And so we just started putting together crews to do this. So it, it became this like little organic movement of like urban explorers, but we were, we were putting a twist on it. We were going to see pop culture, uh, rel- uh, things that were relevant to pop culture so we weren't just looking for abandoned buildings although we do that kind of stuff yeah. we were looking for historic sites and uh we that for a few years and every time i would go back through tulsa oklahoma anytime i'd cross the u.s which is a lot i'd always make my way back to tulsa and i started to fall in love with the town in love with the people and then i kept thinking man this outsider's house is so cool but it's it's such bad condition and every year i go back it's looking worse and worse. And I started thinking, why doesn't somebody save it? Why doesn't somebody save it? And Mm -hmm. finally I thought, why don't I save it? And so we started looking into it and I found the owner and we made a deal. Now I, I was hoping to call her and say, Hey, listen, what we did, we called her. We said, Hey, listen, if you're ever thinking of selling this, please let us know because we were big outsiders fans Mm -hmm. and we would like the first crack at it. And she said, well, I'm ready to sell. And I was like, Whoa, wow. Like right now. And she was like, yeah, right now. And I was like, uh Oh, because I really wasn't prepared. <laughs> I was like, right now, I live in Los Angeles. So you, Tulsa is halfway between, you know, it's in the, it's in the dead center of the U.S. So I'm like, yes. uh, okay, uh, yeah, let me get back to you. And so I made a few phone calls and looked to see what I had in my savings. And, you know, we have the house now. So 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so now when 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 you bought the house, now what was your mind frame? Like was the first thing that popped into your head is <laughs> I need to restore it? <laughs> well, can we curse? Let me tell you what my mind yeah, frame go was. For no, it, man. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. When I first bought it, it still hasn't really sunk in. So this kind yeah. of thing has only happened about in the last two months. It was the lady wanted to, so I bought the house sight unseen, although I had been outside three different, four different, five different times. I had only got to peek my head in once and I wasn't aware of the actual condition of the house. The house was in better condition in some places and worse than you could ever imagine in the, in the ones that you don't want it to be worse in, which is the foundation, the stem walls, the, you know, those things are really important. If the house is crooked, it's not built on a slab. It's built on, it's kind of jacked up. It's a wood house you know with cement underpinnings and stuff so i bought it sight unseen the tenants were still living in there they were eight months behind in their rent they were basically hoarding in there it was disgusting in there i had to pay for them to leave and get into another spot which was not my problem but i didn't want it to i didn't want to i wanted everybody involved to feel okay about it that being said if i if money was not an issue it wouldn't be an issue, but it was a big issue because I don't. I'm not. I don't. We don't get it. I don't get it like that no more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't have like '90s rap money anymore. So every little thing was like, oh my god, I, should I have done this? I did the wrong thing. I should have, you know, should I have done this? But then I got there. The place was in shambles, and I started. I put the GoFund together, and I started putting posts about it. And I tell you what, uh, not only did we raise money and the money is the, the smallest part of it. The, the, the overwhelming support we I got from local Tulsans has been like my, I've never seen anything like, let's just say that I'm yeah. overwhelmed with the offers to I'll cut your grass. I'll cut that tree down. That's about to fall on your house. I can come redo your floors for free. I'll help you tear out drywall. My uncle owns a company that makes drapes. We can remake the old drapes. You're missing the original door. I can make a door for you. I mean, it's been one after the other. I've never seen anything like it. So That's amazing. So far, yeah. So, so far, we've raised close to $18,000. The goal wow. is seventy five, and it's still not done. Yeah. But because of the offers and the, and the support, I don't know if we're going to need that uh, number anymore. We mm-hmm. may. I'm still not sure. But And also, I got a check that I'm not really – it, one I hasn't cashed. I haven't cashed it yet. And two, I don't know if I'm at, at liberty to, to, you know, to. I am at liberty, but I, I haven't talked to her yet. But Essie Hinton sent me a nice, sizable check. So wow, wow. Which wow. is the author of The Outsiders, yes. and yeah. she's been on board since day one. Even though we didn't tell her, I didn't tell her what my plans were, even to buy it. I bought yeah. it first and asked questions later. You know, hey, you guys That's cool beautiful. with this? Like via Twitter, and she wow. was like, yo. I'm usually apprehensive about GoFundMe things, but I know you'll put it in the right thing. And she started retweeting it for me. She started telling her supporters, hey, this guy's, you know, he's doing That's it. Amazing. And so she said, I want to send you a check. I don't want GoFundMe to take a piece. And I told her, well, I'll probably just frame it anyway. And she said, you will, capital letters, not frame this check. And so when I got it, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, it's that, that, a nice that, size check. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's everything. So, the, the, now – I'm in New York right now. I had to I take care of some business here, but I've, I've been going back to LA sleeping, you know, a couple of days at home and then getting in my car and I drive to Tulsa. I stay on my man's couch and we go to the outsider's house on the daily and we're ripping out drywall. We're getting rid of the roaches. We're shaking hands and kissing babies. The mayors came by, the city councils wow. came by, 
the I was on the front page of the Tulsa World. I was on every channel in Tulsa. It's almost breaking news. So it would be like Tornado Watch. Then yeah. California rapper buys the Outsiders House. It was incredible. <laughs> so it's like it's just been like that one after the other. And every day I get a call from somebody. Hey man. I got this kind of thing. I want to donate it. Uh, a guy came out of the woodwork. Uh, he was a, a ex Tulsa PD, and he brought me Francis Ford Coppola's chair, which was originally stolen while they were filming Rumblefish. So they filmed The Outsiders and Rumblefish back to back, both written by S.C. Hinton, both in mm-hmm. Tulsa, yeah. and both, you know, by Francis Ford. And during the filming, a homeless guy grabbed the chair and started walking off with it. And the security said, hey, hey, hey. And Francis said, if he wants it bad enough, let him have it. <laughs> so I had heard that story from a friend that I had met uh, online as well yeah. who was there during the shoot. He told me this story. And then the cop hits me up and says, I got something for you. It's worth a couple grand. I want you to see it. So I, when, he, when he came and he brought it. I had already knew the backstory. I wanted to hear his story. And he said, I was called out to the scene about a week after the chair was stolen. And there was a homeless guy living in back of a liquor store who kept playing games with the trains because the trains go by there. And the owners were scared that he was going to end up killing himself by jumping in front of a train or jumping out in front of the traffic and wanted him out of there. So when I went to evict him out of the basically back of the liquor store, I said, grab your stuff. <laughs> you got to get out of here. And he goes, wait a minute. Who, where, where did you get this chair? And the guy said, you know, he said, like all perps usually say, uh, it ain't mine. So my friend <laughs> gave it to me. Uh, you can have it. So he's had that chair for 33 years wow. in his man cave. And he thought it belongs in the house. And I agree, except I just don't want the Smithsonian Museum to come after me or him, Francis Ford to say, hey, that's my chair. So yeah, right. it is. It, you know, everybody heard Francis say if he wants it that bad, he can have it. So, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. been 33 years, and it's in a good home. Either way, it's, it, oh yeah, definitely. I believe it's going to be what it's going to be. And um, people have been been believe me coming out of the woodwork for stuff like that. I got another collector who has uh, uh, soda pops DX uniform. He's oh, got nice. two bits Mickey's shirts that he bought at auction in '83. When they had when uh, Zoetrope, I guess, had a bankruptcy sale, they yeah. sold all the props for all his movies and all the stuff, and they bought the a lot of the outsider stuff. And he said, "I'll loan it to you indefinitely, and then I want it back, and then I'll give it back to you." <laughs> so I said, "Hey, I'm not looking to own anything. I'm just looking to showcase it all." And my whole thing was just to save the house from the demo. So yeah. I got there. And a week into it, a guy pulls up and he says, yeah, I work for Habitat. I work, I'm in the neighborhood. I, I find these houses and tear them down for Habitat for Humanity. And I'm not going to lie to you, your house was on my list. And uh, my heart stopped, you know. And that was the kind of stuff I was thinking in my, you know, my mind. Like, what if they tear this house down? What if this house burns down? What if, you know? And it was true. It was like that little voice in my head was telling me, dude, step in, buy this thing because they're going to tear it down. And sure enough, that guy showed up and said, hey, man, he sounded like he was trying to be happy for me, but I could tell he was bummed <laughs> that he didn't get to tear it down and put a, 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 you know, a cheap Habitat for Humanity house and get his, you know, his little kickback. Yeah, yeah, uh, so yeah. well, thank we God saved it. Nah, no doubt. And so, yeah. so that's so where now, I'm at. Uh, once you restore it and get this all up and running, you're turning it into a museum? Yeah, well, here's the thing. So it's a museum, and it's also a private residence. I don't plan to live there. I plan to stay there part-time. I uh, I don't know what I really have to do to turn it into a full-time museum. And okay. right now, that's literally out of the question in the sense that, like, I can't be open 8 in the morning till 6, like a museum. It's in a resident, uh, a residential mm-hmm. neighborhood. 
okay? Mm -hmm. So my plan is the first two rooms when you walk in and the exterior look exactly like they do in the movie because that's where most of the inside, you know, that's where it was mostly shot. So we're trying to stage the first two rooms to look like they did during the filming. So when you walk in, you'll feel like you're walking into the movie itself because... Uh, That's awesome. You know, the rest, there's three other rooms that never appeared in the... the, It's a four-bedroom house, so there's three other rooms that never appeared in the film i will stock those with my i have a pretty nice size collection myself of outsider stuff uh mm-hmm. posters from all over the world movies from all the world uh just you name it i have it if it's been if it's out there i have it. if i don't i'm 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 about to you know i got my finger on it so i'm gonna stage the first two rooms fill the uh, other rooms with the collection and then i'll put one room in the back for when me and my wife go and you know stay there or whatever or people come yeah. in Whatever. If you, you tell me you're in Tulsa one time, hey, man, go stay in the outsider's house, you know? Or when we're not there, someone who can, you know, maybe be on premises to hold it down, open it up for school children, mm-hmm. open it up for a private event, open it up for viewing, whatever. But yeah. hopefully we can open it up a couple times a month and then do private things. So if the local school says, hey, our kids are reading the book right now, we told them about the house, can we come by on a Sunday at, yeah, of course. You know, and then we'll yeah. show it. But my whole thing was to save it from being wrecked, and two to just just somewhere to house the collection, and then allow people in. But we're still working on how that all is going to play out. But yes, it's going to be a private collection slash museum, and that's that's what it is for. I didn't. I'm still not fully committed to. You know, I like LA. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And I love Tulsa, but I still have to. I got one foot in and one foot out. You know, as far as yeah, like committing to living there full time, and then. I like my privacy as well, and yeah. it, you're not going to get it in that house, uh, especially since we started, you know, I mean, I was in restaurants, and people were coming up asking for autographs and thanking me. I felt like it was 92 again, and jump around, I'd just come out, you know what I mean? And yeah, uh, yeah. I hadn't got that kind of attention in a long time. <laughs> so, Tolson's no, and thank God, and, and, you know, God bless him, but so I just, we're sorting all that out, but yeah, you know, that's where we're at yeah. right now, and that's you know, it's my passion. It's what I do, and I'm, I, I only look at myself as a custodian of this thing. You know, hopefully it'll outlast all of us. So. Yeah. Did you think when uh, you were wrapping up and you know really big in the '90s that this is what you would be doing now? <laughs> no, no. And again, I you know, I talked about the the you know I've I've been up and down and in and every which way but loose. And so do it for a dead guy. I'm doing pretty good. I I never seen this coming. Yeah. But what this has done is freed me from being quote-unquote, like, Danny Boy, which might not be something special to you, but it's a full-time job for me to Definitely. carry that bullshit around. Yeah. And so, for me, it just allowed me to be that childlike kid who was a huge fan of The Outsiders, loved Fast Times at Ridgemont High, you know, loved the Valley Girl, loved the, you know, uh, Stand By Me. Yeah, it, it, it made me a fan again, you know? And yeah. so, Urban Exploring, through the, through the group that we put together, the Delta Bravo thing, kind of just made us all like grown man goonies. We would all get together, eat lots of pizza, drink lots of, you know, coffee, and then just go out and just run around the city looking for historic locations, whether it was the Beastie Boys photo or, a, or a, you know, Son of Sam murder location or a, mm-hmm. you, yeah. you name it, we've done it all. A Marilyn Monroe where her dress blows up in, in some like it hot or whatever, you know, in the yeah. middle of manhattan and it just every city we go we would just get together and just run around so yeah it's, it's like a hobby that turned into the greatest thing ever which was it, it allowed me to you know save the outsider's house so 
That's great. It, you know, it, and, again, and especially that you were a big fan of, you know, the book and the movie. I mean, that's got to just be yep. just an incredible feeling to know oh. that it's in your possession now. Listen, it never gets old every time I tweet something and Essie Hinton retweets it. Yeah, I still, you know, I'm still like, oh, my God. Mm. <laughs> that's amazing. She's so much bigger than, like, a rapper retweeting you. Like, a 50-cent retweet, I'd be like, hey, well, I ain't going to lie. I'd be high-fiving my, you know, my homie, like, hey, I'll check it, 50, just uh, – <laughs> <laughs> but when Essie Hinton does it, like I tell my wife, oh my god, oh my god, she's like, what, what? I'm like yo, Essie Hinton. She's like, I know she did it yesterday too. I'm like, I know, but yo, it's Essie Hinton. She's like, I know, I know. It's like, it's that big. You know what I mean? It's oh yeah, like levels of this. You're a fan yeah. of, of her writing and her books. Oh the yeah. Of course, you're a fan of. And it's something and, sacred. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, something sacred because it, it it was like something from, you know, my youth that carried over into my adult That's life where not a lot of things still do. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Well, no, listen, man, I, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. For, for me being a huge no, outsider, I, appreciate man, it. I, had, I had the chance of meeting Ralph Macho and C. Thomas Howe together a couple of years ago and talking to them about it. And, you know, this is, you know, it's a big movie, man. The fans are out there for it. So that you're doing yeah, this, and you know, awesome. The book keeps them, you know, it's required reading a lot for a lot of people. So people get indoctrinated with the stories at six years old. And oh, yeah. people up to 100 years old probably are familiar with it and you know grandparents have read it their kids have read it their their grandkids have read it and the movie also you know and all the stars that came out of that movie the fact that francis ford coppola did those movies there's so many layers to it and Mm so you couldn't have picked you can't pick a uh something that has a broader spectrum and a bigger target audience it's affected so many people in in such a positive way and so just to be again the custodian of like the house with the collection Believe me, bro. It's 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 bigger than House of Pain. It's bigger than anything that I've done, you know, because yeah. it's it's pure. You know, it's not my work. It's just I'm just one little piece of you know a little wheel, a little cog in the the grand scheme. But I'm so glad that I was able to, you know, be that part. Yeah, big, yeah, big part sense. of history. Now you are. Um, have have you had, yeah, have yeah. any contact with any of the actors from the movie, and have had they shown any interest in helping out? Um, well, yes and no. So. One, I want to say this. On August 6th, for all the Tulsans listening, we're doing an event. at the sh- It's called the Venue Shrine. Yes. And and we have C. Thomas on board. We have Darren Dalton, who was the Soch, Randy. Yes. yes. We have the kids from the 52-card pickup scene, which I always knew two of them. But now we found the third guy, the brunette-headed uh, kid. Oh, nice. He, uh, yeah, we just found out who he was. His wife said, yo, that's my husband. I was like, no way. So I started talking. He's like, yeah. He's, he ran down the whole story and how he was picked. He was just sitting out on the railroad track by his grandmother's, and they said, hey, you, you interested in, uh, you know? He's like, you know, a six-year-old kid. He's like, sure. And they put him in the movie like that. So we were looking for him for a long time. We got a bunch of the cops that shot Dally. Uh, but we're, so we're throwing that event, and then – Matt Dillon, I've always been a fan of, even, you know, prior to The Outsiders, there was Over the Edge, there was My Bodyguard, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Some oh, of yeah. the movies he'd done before that. And I, I, mm. You know, I was a huge fan of the character, the Dallas Winston character. So he follows me on Twitter, I follow him on Twitter, he sees the post, but so far no direct like, yo, I want to give you the gun for that movie, none of that has happened yet. <laughs> That'd be nice. So, and then, mm. yeah, I know, right, you know, you got to think big. Um, and then... Tom Cruise, uh, who knows how to, that's, he's like in a different stratosphere. Oh, and yeah. Rob Lowe follows the Outsiders House page and has like responded back to tweets that someone has like included me, S.E. Hinton, in, but never 
said, hey, I love what you're doing, and, you know, how can I help? So I think my best guess is they're waiting to see how real this thing is. And even though it's real, some people want to see you show and prove, you know what I mean? Before oh, yeah, they. Definitely. So and fair enough, I'm I'm here, so I'm gonna show and prove. So I'm not, again, I would have thought maybe they would have got involved sooner. Yeah. But on the same token, I understand. Hey, even if they don't show up, no no worries, we got this because the way that the community as a whole jumped in and, and helped me out with this thing, uh, there's no fear behind it. There's no stress. I haven't been stressed by any of this, and it's a big task for me. I mean. Yeah. I'm the kind of guy, my laundry is unmanageable. You know what I mean? I think about having to do it. I'm like, I get overwhelmed. This house is overwhelming, but I don't feel any of that fear once I got to Tulsa because that community put me in the center and gave me that big, like, hug, you know, and we got you. And I've never felt that before. So Yeah. Well, you seem to be enjoying yourself doing it, too, which is really nice. You can see from the pictures when you put it up. You're you're, you're lighting up, man. It's, it's, It's cool to see. So. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yep. Absolutely, man. Well, you know what? We'll get. We're gonna get the link out to our listeners tonight. Uh, we're gonna yeah, put it up on our do. Facebook page and everything. So, uh, Danny, listen. Thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate. It. We got to get you back on in the future, man. So we can. Hey, talk next a time bit we'll more. talk music. I'll bring on Ill Bill and Slain, and we'll we'll chop it up. Awesome. I'll show you all the, all the you know, all the House of Pain craziness, and I'll tell you all Love the good it. stuff with Lakoka and et cetera, et cetera. But I appreciate you, man, and I, I really appreciate you uh, helping me spread the gospel, and uh, you know. Not to sound cliche, but I will, man. You know, you guys stay gold. You too, man. Thanks so much, brother. Appreciate it. <laughs> Talk soon, guys. Take care. And that was uh, Danny Boy O'Connor from the iconic hip hop group House of Pain. Um, dude, he he's, he he lights up, man. When talking about this project, man, and and it's nice to see that he's doing good. Uh, you know, he's clean, and uh, you know, he's 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 doing something really good, not only for the people of Tulsa. But for the fans of S.E. Hinton, for the Outsiders book, for the movie, for Ralph Macchio's fans, for C. Thomas Howell's fans, for Rob Lowe, for Patrick Swayze, um, you know, for everybody that was involved in this movie, um, it's it's a great, great thing that he's doing, Jeff. Really is, and um, he is really into it. He's so excited, he can barely catch his breath, man. He's talking and loving it, and it's great. It's kind of like what we do here. You do it for the fun, you do it for the people who... Uh, are into it and you're into it to yourself and um it's more than just hey what's what's in it for me and absolutely uh, absolutely you know that's awesome it's such a great thing it makes the project that much better and the fact that he's so into it is going to make it when it finally is all said and done it's going to make it just incredible absolutely absolutely and uh you can go on facebook it's facebook.com slash the outsiders house and if you're just a monstrous fan that wants to donate even five bucks of your money uh, to help Danny with this amazing, amazing project he's doing. You can go to GoFundMe.com slash The Outsider's House. We'll have both links up on our Facebook page. We'll have both links up on our Twitter. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks when we launch our official website finally, still working hard on it, we'll have something special uh, for Danny and The Outsider's House project up there. Um, awesome stuff, man. Um Let's jump into a little bit of sports real quick, man. The NFL draft finally was here uh, this past week, and it left. And we, you know what, man, we had some interesting things happen in the NFL draft um, this year, Jeff. And uh, one, of, one of the big things was um, Laramie Tunzel dropping from pretty much one of the top three picks 
down to number 13 going to the Miami Dolphins because of supposedly somebody hacking his Twitter account and putting up a video of him smoking dope out of a bong, a gas mask bong. And then he gets picked by the Miami Dolphins and Mike Tannenbaum, former Jets GM down there. And uh, what happens later on, his Instagram gets hacked and supposedly it's a text message conversation um, with him and his coach over at Old Miss, supposedly asking for rent money for his apartment and his coach agreeing to give it to him, which he agreed, which he actually admitted at his press conference. Um, it was an interesting draft, Jeff. Uh, this, unfortunately, was the biggest story of the draft that really overshadowed it. Uh, first, things like this, um, Laramie Tunzel. What do you think is going to happen next? Um, it's kind of like I said earlier. It's a tough, it's a tough racket because they are still, in essence, college kids. These are young kids, still twenty years old, just coming off being teenagers, and, and they see smoking dope and partying, and even as far as like the Twitter comments where um, people are saying, "Oh, like Jared Goff said he wanted to punch uh, Puig and uh, Yesiel Puig." and the Dodgers in the mouth and stuff like that. They're kids, man, and you kind of hope they grow out of it. If they don't grow out of it, they'll grow up to be older assholes, and they'll be out of the league anyway. Uh, some of the kids are going to grow up to be men. Their mistakes are going to be past them, and they're going to be playing the game and uh, getting paid big money for it, and people are going to root for them. Uh, some people don't get past it. You know, you're Johnny Manziel. He's not going to get past it. All right, fine, he's out. Look, now nobody wants him. Um, this kid, Tunsil, I, I think he... I think he felt the remorse, kind of seen, talking to him on draft day. Uh, he said, you know, the goal now is just to be the best guy that was taken in this draft and put everything else behind him. Let's see if he does it. it it's 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 going to be real interesting. Now, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the first couple of picks. Los Angeles Rams go with Jared Goff, which really surprised a lot of people thinking Carson Wentz was going to go number one. But he went number two to your Philadelphia Eagles. What do you think about this pick? Um... I'm willing to give this pick a shot. I know uh, people are down on the uh, Division 2A or whatever, but uh, he's a winner. He's he's won a couple championships down in uh, North Dakota there, and um, Goff just he doesn't have the winning record. Um, both big kids, big, strong, good arms. I think the Eagles made the right move because they get a guy that's mobile. Uh, always seems to be a Philadelphia thing, a quarterback with decent legs. Always seems to do good here, the Randall Cunninghams and Donovan McNabbs. Um just, and even a brief stint with Vic, this team needs guys that can move around. And I think it's a great pick. I think they did tremendous. Um, of course, the proof is in the pudding. Got to wait to see how it is on the field. But of course, you'll have to get him. But I'm going to give him every chance. Going to welcome the guy to open arms. Let's see what he can do. Yeah, it's going to be great, man, to see what he does there. I, I, I like Wentz a lot, man. I love his personality, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Joey Bosa going to the Chargers. I know this really shocked a lot of people with the Chargers taking a defensive end number three, but this is what they really needed. Bosa could be really big for the Chargers, but I got to say, man, he dropped to number four, which doesn't seem like a lot, but for a guy that could have either went number one or number two, Ezekiel Elliott running back going to the Philadelphia Eagles arch nemesis, the Dallas Cowboys, this is a win pick for the Cowboys, Jeff. Do you agree? Uh, right before the show started, I did kind of rip on him with that tuxedo and that goofy <laughs> show. There's a win. <laughs> you know I mean? Goofy and, and it, it, oh, typical Dallas Cowboy. If you're an Eagle fan, the guy's fit for that team. But, hey, if this guy can run in the proves, the way he ran in college, he is going to be a thorn in my side for years. Um, yeah. He's got the potential to be a great running back. And he said he's a tremendous blocker, which – 
really hurts because Dallas has a great line. Now you got a guy that can block in the backfield that can be big trouble. But their defense is still a mess, so uh, I'm hopeful. Yeah, it's a good pick, though. And the Joey Bosa thing kind of surprised me. I, I kind of had him locked in um, being higher. He was talking about as the number one overall pick for, for months, and then all the trades happened and kind of twisted everything around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we can go through every single pick. Uh, there was some really good ones, some questionable ones. Uh, my Jets went with Darren Lee over who I really wanted and Paxton Lynch. But I got to say, Denver Broncos taking Paxton Lynch. Smart move. This kid could be real special in Denver, Jeff. That's a fantastic move. Um, I like Lynch. Uh, when it came to the Eagles picking eighth, I'm like, you know what? If Wentz and Goff were going, I, I would take on Lynch. Uh, again, guy with uh, kind of a, a – a playmaker, a guy that can make stuff happen. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a rough year for him to learn the system. He's going to play behind Mark Sanchez, which is kind of like playing behind me. But uh, take a year, learn it, and then you got Emmanuel Sanders, you got Demarius Thomas, you still got some running backs. This guy can inherit an excellent offense um, the following year when he's finally ready to go, unless they run him out there this year. Yeah, it's uh, going to be really interesting to see what happens with a lot of these rookies in the NFL uh, next season. Uh, just some really good picks going out. I had to say, I, I, I know next year's draft is supposed to be very rich in running backs. But, man, i got to give props to the Dallas Cowboys. I think that was a very, very, very smart move by the Dallas Cowboys. Going with running back at number four. Um Good move for that, man. I, I, I have to agree with you, man. I think he's going to be a real thorn in your side, man, for a lot of years to come, dude. Oh, yeah. Could very well be. Um, I thought one of the greatest picks, I think uh, Tennessee coming back and making that move again to get to eight and getting uh, Conklin was a tremendous move. That kid is an animal. And, again, if I want to sit still with the Eagles at eight, I, I want a Conklin. Kids a tackle, I think, is going to just – be one of the best tackles in the league in a couple of years. He's such a beast. And Tennessee, you know, they, they made their trade, and there was a guy, ah, they're going to fall. They'll get a guy mid-range, add to the mix. Got a couple good running backs now. Got a monster at offensive line, lineman, uh, a young quarterback. Tennessee's making their moves, man. They're doing it right. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, man, before we go, man, i got to bring this up, man, because this has been in the news a lot the last couple of weeks. Uh, Michael Strahan leaving uh, live uh, with him and Kelly Ripa. Um, so now there's a lot of rumors going around. And who's going to be Kelly Ripa's newest co-host? So far being rumored is Mario Lopez, Anderson Cooper, Andy Cohen, Neil Patrick Harris, even the return of Regis Philbin. Um, listen, you work, I work. We're not big daytime TV watchers, but we know – Regis and Kathy Lee, uh, you know, we knew when Kelly Ripa took over, you know, you just can't not know about this show because it is a, a it's just an, it's its own animal. It has a life of its own. And now Michael Strahan leaving um, and supposing uh, really just, you know, pretty much leaving Kelly Ripa hanging. Who would you want to see as her co-host? If you can just name anybody, who do you think would be perfect for a show like that, man? I've got uh, three people I'd love to see, potentially. Uh, one, uh, Jeff the Shark Perini. I think that show would be fantastic. <laughs> I, I would kill it on that show. Um, number two, the shameless plug of Mia Khalifa. No, I'm sorry. I had to get that out there. But um, you, tell you, you said Neil Patrick Harris. I think that's really good, and uh, he's very entertaining, very energetic. And I'm not trying to be closed-minded. It's a very open-minded statement. But um, getting a, a gay man in there – daytime television, you know, the women would love him in the morning and and 
It would just add more to the show, I think. I think it takes the show in a little different direction. Strahan, although good on the show, is a little too jock for what the show is all about. Um, maybe that adds something to it. I, I think Neil Patrick Harris is a great choice. I, I think it's past Regis. I don't, I don't think Regis is uh, capable of carrying it anymore. But, um, yeah, of everybody you named on that list, I, I like the sound of Neil Patrick Harris. I, you know what, man? I, I, I would love Neil Patrick Harris. Um, I, I have to say, though, man, it's when Regis left and Kelly came in, you know, after Kathy Lee Gifford uh, left, the big thing was we need, a, a, you know, somebody of color. I mean, that's always the big thing going on when, you know, it's a predominantly Caucasian show. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I, I just don't see Anderson Cooper, Andy Cohen, Neil Patrick Harris, or even Regis Philbin coming back. I really think it's going to be somebody like a Mario Lopez because I think if they go with another white co-host and they go back to the days of Regis and Kelly, which people bitched about because of the lack of color, I just don't see them going back because it, it because that is so much bigger now in 2016 than it was in the 90s when all of that stuff was going on, man. Makes sense. Um, I, I think Mario Lopez is terrible. I think he's an absolute train wreck. Oh, um, I think he's a douche, but that's that's just my opinion. I'm going to go with somebody with uh, somebody of color. You reinvent a guy a little bit. Bring back uh, Arsenio Hall. Put him on daytime. He's He's energetic. He gets the crowd moving. The, the guy's funny. You know? Gotta sap you up with a biscuit. <laughs> There's a spot for him. You know what I mean? Right there. That, that's that's a good spot. I like that idea. Listen, I I, I wanted to be Eddie Murphy, but in the character of Jackson Heights' own Randy Watson and Sexual Chocolate. Well, now you're asking oh. a lot. <laughs> hey, Tim Meadows, if you want to go that route, I mean, come on now. <laughs> nah, Tim Meadows maybe he's on the Goldbergs. He's doing a phenomenal job. So, um, yeah, he is. <laughs> going back to our whole STP comment, you sent this to me on Facebook just a little bit ago. Stone Temple Pilots putting out two hours ago. Despite recent comments, Scott Sapp is not, nor has he ever been considered as the singer for Stone Temple Pilots. Damn shame. They turned it back on him already, I told you. You guys are a bunch of douches. They turned it back. Guy didn't even get in the band yet, or he turned it back on I See, man, I, 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 I listen. They asked Scott Stapp about a rumor. He said, listen, I can't say yes or no because maybe he didn't know if he was being considered to be in this group. The way Stone Temple Pilots worded it on their Facebook page, I think it's kind of douchey. Despite recent comments, Scott Stapp is not, nor has he ever been considered as the singer for SDP. Why can't they have written, we love Scott Stapp, we know he's a great singer, we're still in the middle of considering a lot of people. To me, this is kind of a dig at Scott Stapp. To me, I mean, it, it's – and it's only what you read when you hear. The, the, the Leo brothers, uh, Dean and Robert, they just strike me as two just egotistical jackasses, really. I mean, I've always got – and they say, yeah, they could have played it simple. Say, well, you know, we heard the Scott Stapp rumors. We haven't spoken to Scott at this time or, or anything like that. Just not in big letters and is not being considered in big letters. It's That's childish. Yeah, that's uh, – I don't get it, man. I really don't get it. So what you're saying is that the DeLeo brothers, they're kind of like the Gallagher brothers, and are, are are they as douchey as Alex and Eddie Van Halen, or do you think they're douchier? <laughs> I, think they're, <laughs> I think they're douchier. And the reason why I think they're douchier is because at least Alex and Eddie got mega talent. Now, don't get me wrong. I like Stone Temple Pilots, and I liked a lot of their songs 
And I, I got tons of their songs on my uh, my phone, and I listen to them stuff a lot. But they, they strike me as douchey. I mean, I like it for Scott more than the DeLeos, uh, you know. Some of the brothers, the Gallagher's, the Van Halen's, the DeLeos, because they get their strength in numbers, and they, they bully around their bandmates. And it, I'm going to get my brother on the show. We're going to bully you around next. <laughs> I, I, you know what, man? I... I really don't know if it's uh, you know what man. If I gotta pick the Van Halens or the DeLeos, I, I I don't know. I think I would go with the DeLeos. I think the Van Halens have burned so many damn people. They've burned David Lee Roth a bunch. They've burned Sammy Hagar to the point where he can just he wouldn't even spit on them if they were on fire. And then they burned Michael Anthony, one of the quietest guys who just sits in the background, great bassist. And then they kick him out for Eddie Van Halen's uh, chubby little son. So. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to get into rock douchiness, and uh, a guy I used to love, we talked about him a couple weeks ago, Gene Simmons. Now, oh, geez, Stanley, man, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley are the douchiest of douches, man. Paul Stanley actually kind of swallowed a little pride, and him and Ace Frehley got together, and they did a remake for uh, one of Ace's new albums. It's like a cover album, and Paul got together, and he did a number with him, and he said, you know... Kind of bury the hatchet, man. Let's get to music, man. It's always been a joint for us. And Simmons is just doing his things. He's still being a dick and acting like he's the king of rock and roll. Listen, so, dude, I, I, I don't want nothing to do. I I, I know people love Ace Freely. But I have I have my own quips about something in person with him, which is why I, I don't think Ace Freely is all that innocent all the time either. And, okay, uh, bye bye. Yeah, you know, so uh, I, really, I I mean, listen, I know people go bananas for Kiss, but at the same time, people went bananas for Tiffany and Debbie Gibson. That's all I'm going <laughs> to say. So, wow. Harrison, you right there. They're not as talented as they think they are. I give credit to Gene Simmons, smart businessman, but that's about it. Musically, eh, they have a couple of good songs, but... Honestly, I think uh, Stone Temple Pilots uh, with no singer could actually cover a Kiss song better, to be honest. But <laughs> Do you really need a singer? Um, I always no. liked, um, I know a band that covers them a lot is Anthrax. Anthrax does a lot of their stuff, and uh, it always sounds so much more like a rock song. I grew up as a Kiss fan, but man, the Anthrax remakes are always great. They do the songs just so good. I don't know, Kiss to me just always sounds sloppy, like they never practice. And that's just the way it's been. Listen, man, I, you know, Kiss was a freaking phenomena. You know, they're really not as much now. Um, to me, with with so many of the things that are surrounding Kiss, and you're talking about, um, you know, the late great Eric Carr and what happened with him um, and, and Kiss, which was was just absolutely, in in in, in my opinion, disgusting. Um, where he wanted to play. I can't think of it off the top of my head right now, um, but he 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 got invited to play with somebody. I can't remember who it was that he absolutely adored. Uh, Might have been Ace Frehley. Um, Could have been Ringo Starr because I because I know he's a big Beatles fan. It was something like that. And Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley said, "No, if you do it, you're out." You know, basically, you can't go off for a day to play with this person or group that you absolutely love. And, you know, Eric Carr, he died at such a very, very young age from, I believe, uh, I believe cancer of the heart, man. It was something really rare. And, 
Yeah, something really bad. And 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 Eric Carr was was just was a phenomenal drummer, man. And uh, you know, he he died so young at 41, man. Uh, you know, and, and he never got that chance. So when I heard about that with Eric Carr, and I, and I really liked Eric Carr. Um, you know, he was with um, I can't remember who he was with before that, but anyway, I, I you know I really liked Eric Carr. And then when I heard about that story, and I heard about the way you know they screwed. Uh, Peter Chris and uh, I, you know, you know, I write. I like Bruce Kulick a lot, and I think he got screwed by Kiss as well, if if I'm not mistaken. But you know, they just they screwed so many people, Jeff, man. And you know, if listen, if we had a douche top five, Kiss number one, <laughs> Van Halen number two, the, uh, probably the Gallagher's number three, the DeLeo's number four. I don't know who I'd pick number five. Um. I'm sure they're out there. Um, who's that? Uh, who's that uh, Sugar Ray dude? What was his name again? Uh, my oh, Mike Bradford. Yeah, <laughs> seems douchey. Really, really, and I heard yeah. some really good things about him, man. Well, now I just look like a douche now for saying that. Number five, Jeff the Sharparini. <laughs> He's number five douche. <laughs> I mean, you know, who knew? Listen, who knows? He he could have been. A douche, but I mean, I've always heard good things about Mark McGrath, so that so that would be disappointing, man. Well, um, you never know; it's, it's a it's a thin line. Uh, but Should we yeah, go with? Uh, uh, you know what? I know who I'll go with for the biggest one of the biggest douches. I'll put him in my number five, but he could probably move up a couple of spots. Lars Ulrich, Metallica. You know, I, I hear that. I I try not to dislike Metallica, but. I've heard him. I've heard Hetfield could be a, a douche too. There's, there's that video on YouTube of Hetfield. And he, he mocks uh, Lane Staley of Allison Change, and he's mocked uh, artists that have passed away on stage. And that that stuff is very uh, unsettling. It really is. You know, and, and 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 it bothers me that it just bothers me that I've given a lot of money to Metallica. Sure. And, and that listen, the last time I saw Metallica. Um, was at the Wells Fargo Center back in, I'm going to say, 09, maybe 10. I believe it was 09 because that was the uh, Death Magnetic Tour. I spent $100 to stand on the floor up against the stage. Probably one of the worst concerts I've ever been to in my life. And, wow. And this, listen, you know what, man? You want to do Ride the Lightning? You want to do Master of Puppets, the Black Album? I'm all for it. I'll blast it every day. Love that music. Got to give them a lot of credit. Me, growing up, more and more, as I was getting older, I became more of a Megadeth fan. You know, Dave Mustaine, yeah, you know, we hear he could be an asshole, but then we hear other things, too, from the people that were in his bands that, yeah, you know, he's you know, he's really, you know, just a big part of it. But the music never changes with Megadeth, and they don't go out of their way to constantly look like douchebags. And I love yeah. Dave I, I absolutely adore the new lineup of Megadeth. Just got to see them a couple of months ago. Absolutely phenomenal. Chris Adler and Jones from Lamb of God. Kiko, uh, uh, Kiko Romero, uh, Romero, phenomenal guitarist. Listen, they're still kicking ass, and they sound absolutely phenomenal today than they did 20 years ago. Metallica, on the other hand, 20 years ago, phenomenally sounding. Today, they just don't give the effort anymore, man. It's like they're just done, you know, and... Uh, but it is what it is. I mean, I would never go see. Listen, man. Even, even if I got a ticket for free, I probably wouldn't go see Metallica in concert again. And wow. listen, I know it's going to piss off a lot of Metallica fans. I'm still a Metallica fan. Just the Metallica of today, I'm not a fan of. Man. That's just you know, is what it is. 
Um, I guess the, the whole Dave Mustaine thing, and uh, you said you know, it comes off as an asshole. Someone that's kind of his persona, he still has the angry thing in him from the whole Metallica issue, and um, extremely intelligent. The guy is so intelligent that uh, it comes off as arrogant sometimes. He he can he's very well spoken. People think yeah, metalheads, they don't know what they're talking about. Guy's very intelligent too. So yeah, maybe there's a little uh, a little arrogance behind it, but it's a good thing. The guy's very talented. I, I, I would absolutely love to have Dave Mustaine on here and just talk to him. Oh. Just pick his brain, oh, listen to what he has to say. Because, listen, when you go to the concerts, he talks a lot about a political stuff. He says it. Dystopia, the last album, he says this world is in a dystopia. You can't not agree with that. You know? Yeah. The guy is smart. He sees things that are going on, and he speaks it in his music. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I you know, I'm I'm – I'm pro Megadeth, dude. You know, and that's just the way it is. So um, maybe we'll do our top five douchebag list real soon. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> Not afraid to put myself on that list. <laughs> nah, how can I put myself on a list when guys like Jerry Jones are around this planet? You know, there's a douche. I can go well, on. I mean, you say that because of, you know, who he is and you're an Eagles yeah, I mean, fan. I felt the same <laughs> way about... You know, about the Flyers and Ed Snyder, and I felt the same way about the Phillies and all their guys, and you think they're the bee's knees, and you think the Mets – well, shit, I have to say, I think the Wilpons suck, so – and I think they're <laughs> douchebags, so. Oh, um, man. How about, how about Belichick? How big of a douche do you think Belichick is being a Jets fan? Oh, dude, even if I wasn't a Jets fan. <laughs> See? Because of who he is. Bill Belichick is a – Dumbass. So, but that's just because he's always been a dumbass. He was a dumbass when he was on the Jets coaching staff, and I didn't like him. You know, I, I hate to say it here, and being a huge football fan, the guy rolled in shit and came out smelling like a rose. He rolled oh, into yeah. this Tom Brady thing. He rolled into this little defensive scheme, and he, and he found somehow ball players that united. Teddy Bruschi and, and Rabel and Willie McGinnis and, and guys like that. Guys that be that mesh. And then, you know, from there it just kind of ran out because they were a constant winner and everybody wanted to be part of a winner. It, listen, Bill Belichick has a lot to thank the New York Jets for. He has a lot. He got he got paid by them for a few years when Bill Parcells was there. They let him walk. They could have really fought that, but they let him go to New England. And if it wasn't for Mo Lewis and that massive destructive hit on Drew Bledsoe, <laughs> which almost killed Drew Bledsoe. He was close to dying. Yeah. Legit. Yeah. Who knows where Tom Brady would be today? Because Drew Bledsoe probably could have played another year, two, three, four years in New England because he went on to play with Dallas for a little bit and I believe Buffalo, right? Uh, I believe you're right, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he, he went on to play, a f- I'm pretty sure, a few more years after that. Yeah, because 2001 is when he got hit. He played from 2002 to 2004 in Buffalo, 2005 to 2006 in Dallas, two seasons there. Tom Brady could have been uh, just a clipboard guy. Absolutely. But everything happened. I guess everything happens for a reason. You can't, you know. Listen, everything happens for a reason. And, uh, you know, if uh, you're proud to be winners by cheating, then – I guess have fun with that. So, yes. Crazy stuff. Barry Bonds. He runs with it. 
Oh, uh, man, don't even get started on Barry Bonds and the whole D. Gordon thing, man. He's already teaching his oh, hitters the uh, Barry Bonds way. Everybody said that right away. Uh, I got a guy at work. Uh, he is a Miami guy for everything. He's not a front runner or any of that. He's a huge Dolphins guy. He's a huge Marlins guy. He's just a, a Miami guy. And uh, he said, he said, this is what I got to deal with. He said, Barry Bonds comes to town, and now D. Gordon's doing uh, PEDs. And <laughs> if it doesn't go hand in hand, man. It, it can't get any crazier than that. Let me ask you this. How in the hell is Barry Bonds in Major League Baseball? He cheated. He lied. He's never, he still didn't admit to taking PEDs and steroids. Yet, Rafael Palmero is a ghost. Yeah, absolutely. It depends on the guy. I mean, uh, Mark McGuire got jobs in Major League Baseball, and he's a hitting coach. Here's a guy that was known nothing more than being juiced up and tagging the baseball and knocking it 500 feet. But he's a hitting coach? What is he teaching these guys? How to slap it the opposite field? That's like Ryan Howard being a hitting coach and, and teaching guys how to hit to the opposite field. It doesn't make any sense. And now Bond. He's known as a home run guy uh, and an alleged, get that word in there, alleged steroid abuser. He's got a job in Major League Baseball. Unbelievable, man. You know, and you know what? That always baffles me, too, man. When pitchers suck, they play maybe five games in the majors because they're so awful. How do they become great pitching coaches? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that's if always you can train way. yourself to be a good pitching coach, you know, a good pitcher on the mound, how the hell can you train somebody else to be a good pitcher? I don't get it. For years, the, the Phillies had Rich Doobie for years, and never a big Rich Doobie guy, but his career was nothing. And here he is, this great pitching coach. And, you know, I guess it is when you're on the sideline enough or in the dugout enough or whatever, and you're watching guys, that are really good. Maybe you learn something. I, I said that forever about uh, about Doug Peterson, and now he's here with Philly. Uh, clipboard holder to some of the best. I mean, he played behind McNabb, and he played behind Brett Favre, and uh, coaches like Gruden and Andy Reid and, uh, and Holmgren and all them guys. I guess you learn some stuff, and you can bring in a, a teaching method. It's about being a good teacher, I guess, more than being a good player. And if you think about it, some of the great players don't make good coaches. I mean, listen, look at Rick Peterson. When he was with the Oakland Athletics, that pitching staff was phenomenal. He was sought after. The Mets signed him to a big deal. The guy never made it to the major leagues, and he was terrible in the minor leagues. Yet he becomes this legendary pitching coach. The the guy that always gets me, and you think, of course, the La Russa era was Dave Duncan. Dave Duncan had amazing pitching. Here's a catcher. Not even a top-flight catcher. I think he made one all-star team, but it's just an average catcher, Dave Duncan. He becomes this amazing pitching coach. It's wild. Yeah, it really is, man. It really is. Something that uh, we'll talk about later on uh, in the program. So, uh, yeah, you know what? Great show tonight. We want to apologize for the uh, technical difficulties in the beginning. Hopefully, if you're listening to this show later on and not live, you stayed with us for the opening uh, for a little bit of that dead air in the beginning. Um, May 16th, guitarist Brian Quinn from Candlebox will be joining us. We're going to talk to him about what's going on with Candlebox, uh, future projects, what kind of concerts are coming up, if any at all. And uh, going to bring up some good stuff, man. Want to uh, want to hear Brian play a little bit of Far Behind, man, one day. So looking oh, forward to that. Love that. So I still love Candlebox. I know they are on the road right now. They're supporting a, a brand-new album and the like I said before, Brian was a Philly guy with uh, some bands here, Octane and uh, Foster Child. Uh, 
great guitarist, man. He's uh, he's going on with uh, some of the big boys now. That's exciting. I love Candlebox, and I like Brian, so I'm very excited for that show. Great, great band, very underrated band, and I have to say, Kevin Martin is a very, very underrated singer. I think he has a great voice. Um, I don't think he gets enough recognition, Kevin Martin. No, not at all. Uh, and I got some pictures of uh, Facebook. I met him a few years back. Uh, him and the guys from Live, uh, also a good band. But yeah, you, you mentioned the name Kevin Martin. People are like, well, yeah. I'm like, well, not well, yeah. Listen to the guy sing and and uh, meet him in person and watch him live. Uh, he's a phenomenal singer. The guy's got an incredible voice. And uh, he's carried that band. Like I said, Brian's in there now. They, they've changed around a few band members. But they're still going strong. New album. And uh, I love those guys. So I'm dying to hear what's going on with them. Yeah. They were at uh, Salisbury Theater just this February, I believe. I was thinking about going to see them, and they never got to uh, do it. I think they were doing a whole acoustic set. Yeah, they had. Right? They did the acoustic uh-huh. set. Um, they did a uh, show um, in Philly uh, a few years back at the TLA. Just still a great band, man. They're holding their own. Not as big, maybe, as they were in the 90s, but a band worth seeing to get out there. I mean, their, their tickets are usually reasonable, and it's a great show. A lot of songs you'll say, oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yep, very, very nice, very nice. All right, man, so uh, great show tonight. We want to thank our guest, Danny Boy O'Connor, from the iconic hip-hop group House of Pain um, for stopping by and talking to us about his, uh, his, his campaign, his vision, and all his hard work to uh, save the Curtis Brothers' house from The Outsiders movie. And you can check that out at facebook.com slash The Outsiders' house. And if you want to contribute and help out to a very, very historic uh, house from a, from a legendary movie, you can go to GoFundMe.com slash The Outsiders House. We'll have those links up on our Facebook and Twitter, if not tonight, definitely early tomorrow. Um, once again, thanks, Danny, for stopping by, uh, you know, taking the time out of his busy schedule. I know he's hanging out in uh, my old stomping grounds in New York City right now, uh, so can't thank him enough for doing that. Also, Brian Quinn, guitarist from the amazing band Candlebox, will be joining us on May 16th. And we have some other guests to announce so stay tuned. Monday night coming up. We don't have a guest just yet, but that always changes here at the Stoop because we're always reaching out to some of the best people we can get. Um, really excited for some of the guests that we are going to be announcing real soon, Jeff. Um, I told you one tonight while we were on the uh, show live in your Facebook, and I know I, this is a person yeah, you're a big I, fan of. Lo- love this person. not going to say... Uh... What or who? Love this person. Uh, also try reaching out to them before and the fact that you have this person coming on. Uh, really excites me. I'm so excited. I think it's outstanding. Yeah, and she was she was so, so sweet to me uh, talking to her tonight. Really, really, really. Well, there's a hint. She's a female. Can you guess? <laughs> um, really, really not, cool girl. It's not me, Khalifa. <laughs> yeah, no. And and once we announce you, you'll be like, you'll, you'll, you'll say probably who? Because she hasn't been around for a little bit. But once we start naming some of the movies and TV shows she was in, you'll know her right away. Um, she was a, uh, you know, she was a big part of the mid to late 80s and into the early 90s. Uh, can't wait to announce that. We're just working on some dates with her and hopefully we'll have a date tomorrow. We can announce it uh, either on our Facebook page during the week or we'll wait till Monday on our show. Um, so once again, thanks Danny boy, uh, from house of pain for joining us tonight. Uh, you can join us next Monday. We will be back guest or no guest. So for Jeff, the shark Perini, I'm Jonathan Raggis. You all have a great, great night. Good night, everybody.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.